The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcast. This week we are going to be talking about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, do you, did you uh, enjoy wrestling? Sure, it was great. What was your favorite moments? Give us, <laughs> all, give, all us your, give us your what drew money moments of the week in wrestling. Um, I guess Demi from The Bachelor appearing. All right. Was, <laughs> you'll, hear, uh, you'll hear me discuss Demi on The Bachelor uh, later on. What didn't you like from wrestling? Uh, the whole thing with The Fiend. That was really long and scary. Okay. We will also be talking about uh, Alexa Bliss and The Fiend and what happened there this week. And uh, you have all of that to enjoy. On this week's episode of the DWO Pod, let's get going with Drew Count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got out. I can't believe it! Nobody's ever kicked out of that! I'm switching around the formatting of the show this week, starting with the Drew Count, mainly because there really were no big news developments except for one thing, and it's um, a bummer of a situation. And so I'm putting it in this Drew count, which is the moments that I find in this week of wrestling to complain about. And that was uh, Kamala's death. Kamala, a uh, big-time superstar. Um, I really don't know much to say on Kamala. I don't remember watching a lot of Kamala. I was a little too young for when he was in his heyday. He was more of a of a uh, late 80s, early 90s star. And uh, me being born in the early 90s, I don't remember the early 90s. And many of my wrestling memories don't start until uh, close to the Attitude Era's beginning. Um, so that was my memories uh, past Kamala's heyday. Um, but uh, he's more... He was more my... Uh, both of my brothers... Uh, age group uh they would remember kamala um so i'll have to ask them if they have any memories of watching kamala and um what their thoughts were on kamala but i did want to give him a shout out because i at least know of him enough that uh he was very well respected in the wrestling community um so rest in peace kamala and moving on to the rest of the week in wrestling with uh aew dynamite we're gonna start with Usually I don't start with Dynamite, so I figure, hey, we're switching things up. Let's uh, switch things up here. And AEW sort of switched things up by starting their show with a 12-man tag this week. Uh, This I didn't really enjoy. Um, It wasn't bad. Um, It's just too much. Just a lot going on in the show um, for this, this segment. A lot of guys in the ring around the ring at the same time. And this is an issue that AEW has had. Almost every single week, there is one segment where there's seven people or more in it. And for me, I like it to be a limit to about six people, like a six-man tag, three-on-three. 
depending on what the storyline is, of course. But with this 12-man tag, man, it was a lot going on. It was the Dark Order versus the Elite um, and FTR is just a lot of people. A lot of people. And I know they're trying to get as many people on television, but maybe they're going to be uh, uh, formatting where it's spread out. I think this is something WWE should do as well. Um, there are shows that I watch. Uh, like I remember Heroes being this way, and I've been catching up on Heroes with my girlfriend recently, where there's a lot of characters in the show. So one show will be focused on a certain group of characters, and then the next week will be focused on a different set of characters, and it kind of rotates back and forth. So, like, for example, with Dynamite, if you want to feature the Dark Order and the Elite and, and everybody like that, you can have the Dark Order and the Elite, their storyline on this week's Dynamite coming up, and if you want to also focus on Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho and uh, the Inner Circle and the Best Friends, you can do that on next week's show and give more of a spotlight, give more time, and just split it up. Plus, it keeps things fresh and helps, uh, uh, I think, the writing of the shows where you can do fresher ideas, give those ideas more time each week, and give the audience a break between who they're seeing every single week. Um, because in wrestling, if somebody gets overexposed, that's one of the worst things that can happen where you're seeing them every single week. That that was an issue with WWE for a long time. It's been better recently, but a long time where the same like five storylines would be on Raw and SmackDown, and nobody else is getting a chance for television time. So I worry about that happening with AEW Dynamite just on a little bit larger of a scale because there's so many people on AEW Dynamite, but it seems to be the same exact like 20 people or so on Dynamite. And they have a large enough roster that they can do the split show types of stories where there is that um, four or five main stories on uh, one week show, and then uh, your other four or five important stories on next week's show, and you can just rotate back and forth. And sometimes there can be overlap where there's a, a storyline on a show two weeks in a row, but then you take a break, and then it's on the next week, and after that, and so on. Um, at least for me, yeah, that's I think that would be good formatting in the show. and just keeps things a little bit fresh. Um, for example, with AEW Dynamite, they had three tag matches in a row this week and only one singles match. So that was four, sh uh, four, yes, four matches in total for two hours of television. And um, the, the singles match was the main event world title match. Obviously, that went on last, as it should. But with three tag matches leading up to that, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to stay engaged when you've just seen a 12-man tag match, then there's another tag match, and then you get to the third tag match, and it's just, geez, man, this is another tag match? It's, uh, like, I've already seen a tag match. I've seen two tag matches. I've seen 
20 guys wrestle in a tag match at this point. And, you know, we're almost at an hour and a half into the show. It's just a lot. Um, so weird formatting stuff with Dynamite this week. Then there was just something that made me uncomfortable, and that was blood happening in a couple of different segments. Um, usually blood does not bother me in wrestling. It's part of the entertainment. Um, which is weird because blood in other shows does bother me. Like, my girlfriend watches Grey's Anatomy and watching them do, like, surgeries and all that stuff with the blood show. I have to turn away and look away and not see that stuff. Um, (laughs) when it's all fake and not real blood, which in wrestling it is real blood. But I think I've just seen it so much in my life, I just compartmentalize it as it's part of the show. Which I know the the blood in like Grey's Anatomy is part of the show too. It's just it's a weird thing. I don't I'm not sure how to really explain it all that well. It is bizarre when I I I, I detail it out. But regardless, um, the reason that blood made me uncomfortable was I just started thinking about coronavirus and this COVID era and should there really be blood on the shows if we can avoid it? It's just. I know it's entertainment, um, but with wrestling, it's usually the wrestler's real blood. I know they get tested and everything like that, but yeah, you definitely don't want open wounds when there's a virus that is super contagious. Uh, with Matt Hardy, I don't think it was done on purpose. Matt Hardy took a chair shot to the head. And it just caught him the wrong way. And he had a lot of blood pouring from from his forehead. Whereas John Moxley was bleeding in his world title match against Darby Allen, And that seemed like it was on purpose. Because the camera cut away. And then all of a sudden Mox was bleeding. And usually that's a sign that the wrestler, you know, caused himself to bleed by cutting himself with a razor blade. Or whatever it may have been. And I just had this thought, like, eh, really should we be doing blood? Um, and I hadn't thought about it previously the last couple of weeks with the tax spots with Ricky Starks, Darby Allen, Cody Rhodes, um, and uh, Eddie Kingston, where there's a little bit of blood happening because of the tax spots. But uh, it just hit me the wrong way this week, and I think I'm going to be more conscious of it as wrestling goes on in this COVID era because it's just a little little weird. I know it's a part of the show, but it's just uh, a little off. And something else that was a little off happened on both Raw and SmackDown. So I want to talk about both of those uh, right now. And it, it, it was the same exact thing with... Um, uh, there was a match going on, and then somebody comes out, attacks a valet or a manager ringside and that causes a disqualification of the match and I'm not sure why or how any of that makes sense because it doesn't. The wrestler didn't attack anybody in the match so the match should not have been ended. On Raw it was Asuka attacking Bailey during the Shayna Baszler and Sasha Banks match. So I'm not sure what happened there. Asuka attacked Bailey. 
Bailey wasn't in the match. This caused the disqualification somehow, but it was a match between Sasha Banks and Shayna Baszler. Now, this also happened on SmackDown as well, where it was a heavy machinery match versus uh, Miz and Morrison, and Mandy came out attacking Sonya Deville, and that caused a disqualification for the match. I've not noticed this before, and this is just bizarre. I've really never seen anything like this. It'll be interesting if this is a newer idea that WWE is using, where they... I mean, WWE is known for just making up rules anyway and making stuff up and it not making sense whatsoever and us getting used to it. And that's partly why I have this segment, so I can call those things out and just be like, hey, that is weird. Why does that happen? Like, for example, when there's a pin right after a kickout, like in the MVP and Apollo match, uh, you pin a guy, he kicks out, so you pin him again? Well, you think he's just, it was happenstance, or he had some sort of spasm, and so he kicked out by accident, and you're going to get him this time? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and that's what this uh, weird disqualification situation is. Why either one happen? I don't know. What's the reasoning? No clue. Doesn't make sense. Weird. Bizarre type of things. Something else that was also a little bizarre was Montez Ford getting poisoned, apparently, on Raw. Um, <laughs> but it only happened when he was shaking the ropes. Um, there was... Uh, Angelo Dawkins was in a match with Angel Garza, I believe. They had back-to-back -back matches where it was Street Profits versus uh, Garza and Andrade. So if I got the names wrong or flip-flopped, you know, whatever. Um, but you, you get the point. So Ford was outside the ring managing for the first match, and he was acting a little weird, like, during the entrance. You could see he was, like, looking at his drink and, um, you know, just planting the seeds, which was all good by him. And then he started the shaking the ropes at one point outside the ring, and then he just collapsed and passed out, and that caused Dawkins to lose the match. Well, then Ford had his match, everything was going fine, and then he went to start shaking the ropes again in his match, and he passed out. So they later reveal that he was apparently poisoned, so this causes Bianca Belair to attack Zelina Vega outside of the uh, trainer's office, the doctor's office backstage, which means it's turning into probably a six-person tag at SummerSlam, which I'm fine with. It's good story it's good storytelling um certainly intriguing um it's just uh, uh doing a poisoning storyline which is what this looks like was a little weird and uh i mean it is a little captivating though at least you know it's something fresh um so i can at least say that um but uh with the with this poisoning thing I'm not sure how to feel about it. Um, I think it probably... Well, I don't know. I don't know if it would be better if it was somebody else who poisoned Montez Ford. Because that could lead to another storyline. But right now, my thought is having it be more straightforward. That it was just Zelina Vega and her boys poisoning the Street Profits. 
and so it causes a match. But if it doesn't, and it leads to something more interesting, I'd be willing to uh, see that out and seek that out and see what happens there. Um, and then just a typical formatting thing. There was a little bit of filler on Raw with the Asuka recap and the Seth Rollins recap from past weeks. I don't necessarily need it. I know why it happens in the show if people didn't watch or just as a refresher. I get it, but as somebody who watches pretty intently every single show that's, uh, that is WWE, yeah, I don't really need that. I know what the storyline is. Um, this Raw was very conflicting Raw, for sure. Um, like, Raw Underground was the big story coming out of Raw, and I'm not sure how to feel about it. I was going online, and you know, at this point, it's almost been a week since all of that happened. I still don't know how to feel about it. I, I see a lot of people love it, and um, they like the uh, reality aspect of it, where it looks like real fights. Um, but to me, it's like, I mean, it's these are clearly worked fights. This is wrestling. Nothing in wrestling is... Um, real. Except for the Brawl for All, apparently. But, um, which, uh, Brawl for All, if you have, uh, time to go watch Dark Side of the Ring, the Brawl for All episode is very good. Highly recommend that. Uh, what a weird idea. <laughs> and that's an idea why they don't do non-scripted things in wrestling. So, obviously, this is a very scripted scenario where it's, uh, more of this worked shoot fighting is what they would call it, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, is it supposed to be, like, UFC, is it supposed to be, like, Fight Club, why are there dancers, like, some people are calling them strippers, I don't want to call them strippers, I didn't see them taking off any clothes, but they were dancing very awkwardly, I don't necessarily know if they need that, and I was a little confused, to me it sounded like, uh, the way they were hyping it on Raw, the first couple hours, they said, like, oh, Raw Underground coming up, 10 p.m. And I thought the last hour of Raw was going to be Raw Underground, which I would have been fine with. I would have liked that because I think two hours of regular Raw is perfect, just like there's two hours of NXT, AEW, um, and SmackDown. And then this Raw Underground can be something a little different, an hour of something different and intriguing. So I hope they move to that format where it is raw underground for an hour and there's uh new storylines instead of the way they were doing it on raw this past week where it would like cut to raw underground every couple of segments and they raw underground would be shown for like a minute or two with shane mcmahon hyping up what was going on but i'm, I'm not really sure what its purpose is what are the rules i'm just confused on it right now and uh i've seen a lot of people Love it, but I don't have that feeling just yet from it. But I might end up changing my tune as it develops, and I hope that is the case. But, um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Raw Underground move to SmackDown as well, to just make it Underground, you know. It doesn't have to be Raw Underground or SmackDown Underground, it could just be Underground. This is the Underground segment. In SmackDown, you could just make it 30 minutes, you don't have to make it an hour. Um, like Raw. Raw has the time. You can make it an hour. SmackDown, you can make it 30 minutes. Make it the 30 minutes 
from 9 o'clock to 9.30 or whatever you want to do, or 8.30 to 9 o'clock. Um, SmackDown's a little different. Um, I think ha- I don't think um, having... Well, you know, I, I, I get, there's pros and cons to both. You could have SmackDown go all the way for an hour and a half, just regular show, and then 30 minutes of underground. But I think it would be better if you break it up where it's regular SmackDown then underground, and then regular SmackDown again. So there's a little bit of variety, breaking the action, freshness, variety. Um, I think I said variety twice. That's like a, kind of a Blazing Saddles joke, but I won't say that because that's a little a little more uh, R-rated where a guy repeats something. But for those who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about um, with that uh, one joke that they use in um in uh blazing saddles when they're uh <laughs> trying to uh see what the criminals what the list what all their crimes are um i love the movie blazing saddles great movie wouldn't be able to get away with it at all today um but we're not talking about blazing saddles we are talking about um raw right now and underground and smackdown and, uh, yeah, I'd really like to see Underground move over to SmackDown. I'd love to see people like Matt Riddle and Sheamus in Underground, um, and them just, you know, beating each other up and doing this worked fight style, because the cage fight with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, which was Riddle's last match in NXT, that was a really cool match because it was this, like, simulated real fight. Like, you know, you could tell it's scripted, but it looked way different than regular wrestling does, uh, especially in WWE. WWE has its own style. It looks pretty safe, and, um, you know, that's for the longevity of their performers. But I, I really enjoyed that style of matchup because it was so different. And that's what I think Raw, un- Raw Underground can obtain. And if they just move it to SmackDown 2 and make it just underground, have an underground segment on Raw and SmackDown, I think would be really, really cool. But while we're on the topic of Matt Riddle and Sheamus, it seems that Shorty G's momentum is all gone now. He came out to attack Matt Riddle. Uh, when Riddle and Sheamus were in a match, but Riddle ends up beating up Shorty G, and then Sheamus ended up beating up Shorty G because uh, Shorty G caused Sheamus the match, and I know this is leading to a Sheamus and Baron Corbin match later on in the show, um, which then, if I remember correctly, Matt Riddle came out, but... um, yeah, it was very, very uh, interesting that uh, Shorty G was just, like, fed <laughs> fed to the wolves here. He, he came out, just turned heel, and now he comes out and just gets completely destroyed. And all of his heel, he is gone. Uh, crazy, 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 crazy. Um, I don't think that's what I would have done. Maybe... I would, you know, I would drop the whole Shorty G thing at this moment. Um, if he's a bad guy and gonna be a bad guy, just have him be Chad Gable, or just have him be Gable. Get rid of the stupid Shorty G name. Um, that's pretty childish, and drop the jokes. And you could even have him come out and do a promo and say like, "I'm done with the jokes. 
Uh, I'm done with all these stupid uh, mockings and being embarrassed and being made fun of. And I'm a former Olympian, and uh, as a former Olympian, I'm going to now come out and I'm just going to kick everybody. I'm going to beat everybody up. I'm going to kick their butts and and, uh, stop me if you can. Uh, I kind of went into like a little Taz promo there. But, uh, yeah, that's what I would do with Shorty G. That was all I really had for SmackDown and NXT I had even less. I really could not find anything to really complain about on NXT. I know I saw some people complaining that the whole show shouldn't have revolved around a non-wrestler, a non-wrestler, a non-wrestler in Pat McAfee and been more focused on in-ring talent. But I like Pat McAfee. I follow Pat McAfee. I have been for about a year now. Um, I listen to his podcast. I listen to um, The Pod, which is all his uh, friends that work with him. Uh, I guess they technically work for him. Uh, they have a podcast that I listen to, and Pat has a very large following. I think he's got, like, almost two million followers. He's almost got a million, uh, followers on YouTube, so this is definitely something for mainstream, trying to get more mainstream eyes, more sports eyes, more legitimate eyes. Uh, I think this is a good idea by NXT to try to just get more people watching wrestling because of the lack of content. This is their chance. Um, So I I know some people were complaining about that, but that wasn't really anything to complain about for me. Um, We're done complaining here. Let's move on to the positives in this week of wrestling and my favorite moments in the shows this week with the What Drew Money segment. positives this week in wrestling which is what i cover in this what drew buddy segment there were a couple of moments in each show to chat about and i'm gonna start with aew dynamite just as i did in the previous segment in the drew count and i i struggled to find uh a lot to uh that i enjoyed really in aew dynamite um except for about two 10-minute segments. So I'm going to talk about this first 10-minute segment right in a row because that's when they happened. So AEW Dynamite started, and I wasn't all that enthralled in it, and then the MJF campaign video happened, and I thought that was greatly entertaining. MJF just being a total jerk as he is, and just... He just plays such a good part. It's, uh... Yeah, I I always like bad characters a little bit more. Especially in wrestling. I feel like there's a lot more depth to bad characters. And just what they they do, it uh, puts a smile on my face in a bizarre kind of way. I just like bad guy characters. And they're... 
are very few who are better than MJF at this point. And he's so young that it's it's great. Do I expect him to win at All Out in his title match against John Moxley? No. No, I don't. I don't think he's there yet at the world title um, station. What a, uh, the world title plateau? The world title mountain? Um, I hope you understand what I'm saying because the words aren't uh, popping in my brain and transmitting to my mouth to say properly. But regardless, a little bit more building with MJF, and I do think he will be a legitimate world title contender. I don't see him necessarily as a world title type person right now. If he was holding the TNT title, I think that's perfect for him. I just don't think he's at that upper echelon uh, world title um, um, platform just yet. And that's why I think Mox winning the match will probably end up happening. Uh, very similar to um, Hangman Page last last year at All Out, where Adam Page, he's this young up-and-coming uh, superstar, but he's not quite up at that uh, that world title echelon just yet, and that's why he lost. I think it's just the same thing with MJF, but MJF, they'll keep building and uh, I, I would like to see MJF with the TNT title at some point, but who knows if they're going to go back to Cody versus MJF. Uh, they've already done that, and that's really what's helped MJF build to this point, um, being uh, unbeatable, which he's lost in tag matches, but being a good heel, he's, you know, he's never been pinned or submitted, so he's undefeated. Uh, it's just a good way to use the kernel of the truth. And MJ is perfect at the... Uh, MJ. MJF. He's not quite MJ. Britt Baker is the MJ of AEW, um, as she mentioned last week. But MJF, I really enjoy his character, what he does. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of these campaign videos. I hope they continue to occur up until All Out, which is about a month away at this point. And then uh, right after that, Matt Hardy came out doing a promo saying he came to AEW, he wanted to give the AEW fans the multiverse with Broken Matt and Version 1 Matt and Big Money Matt and uh, High Energy Matt. Is that what the, what his, uh, the oldest character is? Um, but he said he's just going to be Matthew Hardy right now. The stronger-than-death Matthew Hardy. So he was wearing the stronger-than-death shirt. And it said Matthew Hardy. And even on his uh, graphic that came up, it didn't say Broken Man or anything like that. It said Matthew Hardy, which I liked. Because um, he's going into the story with Sammy Guevara, which I previously mentioned. And ended up in a... a brutal chair shot where Sammy threw a chair at Matt Hardy and split him wide open and Matt was bleeding all over the place and got put through a table with Sammy jumping off the stage onto Matt and great way to uh, build Sammy great way to build to this match and Matt Hardy is a great performer he is gonna get Sammy Guevara to the next uh, level of his 
his trajectory where he's going as well. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed uh, what what that promo was. Cause, you know, at this point, Matt has multiple characters, and he's great in all those characters. He can move pretty seamlessly in and out of them. But when he comes out as just one character, stays as that one character, um, I like that better than, I believe, one time, maybe last month or so, he came out and was like going in between a couple of the characters, and it just didn't connect with me because he wasn't in full character. He wasn't dressed like those characters because they all dress very differently. But Matthew Hardy, Stronger Than Death, I like it. Uh, and I like seeing Matt Hardy... On my television, he has been so captivating in the last five years in wrestling. One of the biggest superstars. Matt was always kind of just in the background to Jeff, who was the superstar of the team. And now it's the opposite. Jeff is, uh, I, I would say Matt is the bigger star uh, because of the creative gen genius that Matt Hardy is. And Jeff does this amazing athletic artistic uh performances but matt his uh character and character development and just storylines that he uh puts out continuously within the last five years or so with all these characters it's just been really really great and then it went from that that segment right to santana and ortiz who lost to the best friends earlier in the night that was one about that was uh, about one that was one of the tag matches of the three in a row to uh, and uh, AEW Dynamite that I talked about, and uh, they went out and <laughs> they destroyed Trent's mom's van, whose name is Sue, and uh, they just <laughs> completely trashed it, and it's so absurd and ridiculous that it's funny that it's entertaining. Like this is something that. These, uh, like, Jericho calls them thugs. They're street thugs, is what he calls them on commentary. So that's what these street thugs would do. They would destroy somebody's car. They don't care whose car it is. If it's your mom mom's car, that's even better. We're going to destroy your mom's car. <laughs> that's what it was. I thought it was great. And these three segments were right in a row and all about maybe in total ten minutes of the show. Um, and then the other 10 minutes that I really enjoyed, it might have been a little longer, maybe a little shorter, not 100% sure, but I was so invested in it that uh, that's why I don't know the timing of it. And that was the debate with Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy and having Eric Bischoff there as the moderator. It was really, really awesome, really well put together. Eric asking the questions. Great to see him on TNT again, you know, with all of the legacy that WCW has. I thought it was a great pick for him to come out and moderate this debate. And Jericho, being the the bad guy that he is, <laughs> answering the questions the way that he did was perfect. Then Orange Cassidy, when he talked about the sea uh, levels, you know, a very... <laughs> Very just out of nowhere answer, and then Orange got his moment to shine when he um, talked back to Chris finally, and basically said like he's not afraid, he doesn't care, he doesn't care about Chris Jericho, but he cares about the match because Jericho thinks he's that that Orange is an embarrassment. Well, you know Jericho's gonna be embarrassed when he loses to Orange Cassidy, and great way to build Orange Cassidy. He's obviously one of those stars that AEW is building. 
and putting him against Jericho is the perfect way to do that because Jericho is awesome. So really, those those two 10-minute uh, segments were really, really great television on AEW. But let's move to the great television, in my opinion, in uh, WWE, and let's talk about Raw first. Uh, I'm going to save NXT for last. Um, so with Raw... Uh, the iconic slapping Kevin Owens during the Kevin Owens show was pretty unexpected to me. That was, I think, just a nice detail that was added in. I made note of it. And uh, everything else surrounding that story with Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and Liv, Liv and uh, Ruby finally getting a win, I think is good. Works well. Uh, the, the segment did what it was supposed to do. And speaking of segments that did what they were supposed to do, the Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre promos hyping their pay-per-view match at SummerSlam for the WWE title was really, really good. It was well done by both of them. They brought in a realism to it. Um, You know, Drew kind of did the typical, Randy's been handed everything and, you know, I've had to work for everything, blah, 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 blah type of story. And Randy just, Randy's an incredible performer. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying these two um, battling back and forth on the mic. And I think this will probably end up being a great match at SummerSlam. So I am all for that. What I'm not all for is the rain that just started happening outside. And all of a sudden, it was bright when I started doing this podcast. And now it's dark, it's raining, there's been thunder and... Uh, lightning. So if you hear any background thunder or rain, that's uh, what that is. It's the weather. I'm I podcast at uh, my desk in my room, which is right near a window. And uh, so if you hear any extra noise like that, um, that's what that is. And I also have a fan, fan going to keep myself a little bit cool in here. So if you hear uh, a little like clicking every once in a while, that's the fan. Um, so uh, please excuse the. Uh, extra noise but hey this is free content and uh i hope you're enjoying the free content and uh you don't have to listen and i appreciate you listening and uh putting up with the uh background noises um but other than that let's move on let's go to the let's see here oh the nia Jax promo yeah nia Jax and the pat buck promo i thought was really really good now a little confusing here. I thought Pat Buck was in the firings uh, in April. Um, all those releases with the, the, the talent on air and backstage. Uh, I guess he's back. I don't know. But uh, Nia has been better on the mic recently. She's been a lot more believable. Seems a lot less scripted and seems more comfortable in her abilities. I like seeing Pat Buck get a chance here. Pat Buck is uh, pretty well known. And uh, I know he's well-known because I know of him. And I do not watch a lot of independent wrestling. And if I know your name and you're not in WWE and you know now you're not in AEW as well, you're a pretty big-time uh, person in wrestling. And Pat Buck is certainly that. Pat Buck, very well-known for being a wrestler, a trainer. I believe he... Uh, 
has a couple of promotions. He helps run Creative Pro Wrestling with uh, Brian Myers, formerly Kurt Hawkins, and they're good friends. So Pat Buck is uh, considered a pretty good mind in wrestling, and uh, I liked seeing him on screen. You know, it was obvious. He knows what he's doing. He played his role very, very well. And hopefully this continues. Uh, you know, get Pat, uh, you know, give him a, a couple of moments on this national television. I think he'll thrive and maybe it'll become a bigger opportunity for him. If not, you know, he's he's doing a, a good job here. And he'll help build uh, the younger talent, whether it's in WWE or outside WWE, on his own. So good for Pat Buck. And good for Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins. I am here for their match on SummerSlam. Um, I think their storyline has been developing really, really well. I mean, this is going back to, what, right after WrestleMania? So almost six months at this point, this storyline has been building. And I really like long-term storytelling a lot of the time it does not happen in WWE where it's mostly just, you know, build to a match at the monthly pay-per-view or for a couple of months and then the storyline is dropped and people move on to their next storyline. Like, one person will have four or five different feuds within a year and this one to take up six months for Seth Rollins, really, really good storytelling. Um, uh... Some other good storytelling is what's been going on with Sasha and Bailey. I mention them every single week, essentially, here, because they really, really have been good. But uh, what I wanted to talk about here was actually Asuka. I thought her English promo challenging Sasha for the Raw Women's title was well done, was perfect. I like when Asuka does the Japanese. I like when she does uh, does this uh, her English promo. Her English is not hard to understand. She gets her message across very well. Uh, keep her to bullet points the way she's been doing. And it's super effective. Um, something else that was super effective was... Uh, and I, I was just talking about Seth, so I should have mentioned this. But um, Seth Rollins... He had a promo, and he berate, berated Tom Phillips. And Tom did really good with his acting. I don't think Tom said anything for the rest of the show after this. This was later on in the show. But then uh, Samoa Joe defended Tom Phillips, and this was a really captivating moment. Uh, this, to me, I wrote, was the most grabbing thing so far on the show. And, I, and it, was, it was the most captivating thing for me on the show. Even above Raw Underground. Even above the retribution situation with the lights flickering and the mics going out. I really wasn't sure what to think of that for a while. I did have on my notes here, like, lights flickering, uh, mics going out. Not sure what's going on. It really seems to be for no reason. You know, it turned out that it was this new faction, which had been hyped on social media before Raw um, last Monday. 
that there was going to be a new faction, but I was just like, when it happened, I didn't, it didn't click to me that this group that, um, blew up that generator was the new faction. I just thought like, oh, maybe those people are with Shane McMahon or, yeah, like, I didn't know what to think. Like, oh, maybe those guys are with Shane McMahon and they kind of look like the ninjas and, you know, what's going on here? And then I eventually put two and two together like a couple days later. Really, it did. It took me a couple days. And uh, I was like, because uh, I saw, I was like, oh, this new group is called Retribution. And they named it on social media. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. It's Retribution doing all that stuff with the lights flickering and the mics going out. So there was a purpose. So I actually took that off of my notes here. Because I originally did have that on my notes for the Drew account. Like, what the heck's going on with these lights? And the like... Clearly, this is, you know, really weirdly scripted with the lights flickering and the mics going out. But, you know, now it's making more sense. Um, honestly, it would have made more sense for all this to start happening on SmackDown and it being the SmackDown hacker. Because it kind of seems like that, but I don't know. Have they dropped the SmackDown hacker gimmick? I hope they haven't, but I think they have because a lot of people were thinking it was Ali. It was Ollie's light circle, now Ollie's on Raw. Anyway, this is the positive segment of the show, so I'll get off of all that confusing stuff. But uh, going back to Tom Phillips, he really did a great job. He made it super believable. Seth just absolutely going after Tom, and Joe ferociously uh, defending Tom, as he should be, because Joe is a competitor, a performer, a wrestler. Tom Phillips is not. And Joe defending his broadcast partner. Really, really well done. This this Raw was really, really intriguing. It was very different. Um, it, it was super unique. It was not like other Raws. It was somewhat confusing, but really really intriguing and that's why uh, that's what i wrote at the end of my uh, list here of my notes for raw was so many questions and that's good that's got me invested in what's going to happen this week on raw coming up and that's great storytelling by wwe something that wwe usually doesn't do they don't really have many cliffhangers um but stuff like this, a lot of the things happen. Like, what's going on with Raw Underground? What is this Retribution group doing? What happened with Montez Ford? You know, a lot of question marks um, happening with Raw. And then I just wanted to make a shout-out for Demi Burnett from The Bachelor being on Raw. Uh, now... I am not afraid to admit that I do watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I actually got into it because of my girlfriend, and uh, it's been a point of contention of what we watch on Mondays because The Bachelor and Bachelorette and Monday Night Raw, of course, are on Mondays. Um, but uh, luckily we have two TVs, so... Um, uh, in our living room, we have a bigger TV and a smaller TV, and uh, I mainly did that because uh, I really like sports, and so like during football season, I get NFL Sunday ticket and put two football games on, but in scenarios like this, where there's a show on that she likes and a show on that I like, we can both watch it, but I really do enjoy The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. We actually do full recaps of those shows 
um, when their seasons are going on on my other podcast with her, which is the Perfect Catch Podcast. Um, so if you want to just search Perfect Catch Podcast, you can find that information there. That's one of our main segments uh, when the Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons are going on. Um, and a lot of intriguing stuff going on with The Bachelorette happening right now. They're filming a lot of questions, just like a lot of questions that are going on with this past week in Raw. So it was really cool to see Demi. Demi was one of my favorite characters on Colton's season, and she's just this firecracker of a, uh, of a character and a super energetic, uh, unapologetically herself. She was probably my favorite character coming out of Colton's season, um, which was the first season that I watched as The Bachelor. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that great of a season, I don't think, but a lot of good characters came out of it. Demi, really, really cool. And uh, I hope there's more with Demi going on. Um, Which there was also something similar that happened uh, on SmackDown where there was a... Some Sarah girl. I don't know. They didn't do any graphic or anything. Maybe it's just like somebody who was hired. But there was a Sarah girl who was really pretty talking to Baron Corbin um, before Seamus interrupted. And I was like, oh, is this like a Demi Burnett thing? Should I know who this person is? They never really mentioned who they who that girl was other than her name Baron, being Sarah. But uh, yeah, let's continue talking about SmackDown while I'm on that topic. I was going to go to NXT but might as well talk about SmackDown because uh, I was already talking about it right here. So Miz and Morrison started out the show here with Miz and TV. With Miz TV, Sonya Deville came out uh, after Miz and Morrison did this hilarious little um, <laughs> a little comedy act with Mandy's hair, and they're doing Mandy's hair. They're both doing the voice for Mandy's hair. Really, really funny. Miz and Morrison continue to be a highlight of SmackDown and super entertaining. And Sonya coming out continues to be really impressive and just building her character and what she is about. She is just hell-bent on destroying Mandy Rose. And I love it. Uh, She's been given the uh, reins here, and uh, she is really doing a great job um and and of course something else that was really really intriguing on smackdown was the alexa bliss and fiend segment again now last week there was um the end of the show ending with the fiend uh putting the mandible claw on alexa bliss so this week the Fiend came out, and I believe The Fiend had his first entrance on free television um, since he's started a year ago. So it's, it has. It's been over a year, because The Fiend's first match was against Finn Balor at SummerSlam. Um, so it has been over a year that The Fiend has been involved but he has not had an entrance on SmackDown or Raw or anything like that until this past week. So uh, making him special, continuing to make him special, is really important. And this storyline feels special with Alexa Bliss being involved. It was a little weird that she the, the show went to commercial and then they came back and Alexa was just in the ring again, sitting down and 
that was a bit bizarre. And they basically reenacted what happened, but it was different this time with right before the fiend putting the mandible claw on Alexa, Alexa embraced the fiend, or at least looked like to embrace the fiend, and she put her hand on the fiend's mask, and he stopped, and it looked like, you know, she was um, trying to um, nurture the fiend. And uh, it, it was a really, really cool moment in the show. I thought that was the most entertaining, captivating, engaging moment of SmackDown that just, you know, maybe 30 seconds of the show was really, really good. Now, the end of the show had Retribution taking over SmackDown. I really like that Retribution attacked both Raw and SmackDown. So the story started on Raw and uh, continued on SmackDown. There were just slightly, like, lights flickering this time and mics going out on SmackDown. And uh, I really like this, that why would Retribution just hold themselves to Raw. They're going to take out their anger and frustration and try to get revenge and retribution on all of WWE, on SmackDown as well. Um, but this takeover, uh, whew, it uh, was a lot different than I was hoping. Um, so, so what happened was what I expected to happen where... Uh, I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen this soon. I thought it would be a couple of weeks, but basically Retribution came to the ring and just destroyed the ringside era uh, area. Now, this has been done before and done a lot better before, uh, mainly with the Nexus. Um, the Nexus storyline was so amazing, so captivating. It was just like, whoa, what is going on here? With this Retribution story, um, to me, it was so bad, like, so cringeworthy that it was super funny and really, really entertaining. And that's the way I like my wrestling. Because I've watched so much wrestling, I either want it to be really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. And if it's anywhere in the middle, I'm kind of just like, eh, whatever, because I've seen so much. Uh, so I want it to be drastic. I want it to be drastically bad or drastically great. To me, this was drastically bad. But it was because it seemed like all these performers were just not seasoned well enough. Um, and it just was, like, really bizarre. Like, they're all yelling and screaming, but it seemed to just, like, teenagers attacking the ring and um they <laughs> they they made michael cole and Corey graves and all the cameramen and everybody leave the ringside era area uh i really liked that they went out into the crowd and started beating up the people in the crowd i <laughs> thought that was hilarious because when it was going on um i said to my girlfriend watching i go yeah yeah go on to the crowd beat them up too and so they went out and just started beating up the people in the crowd oh hilarious it's great i want to see that happen more have these people go out to the crowd and just destroy people now they had it was clearly a woman who beat up a woman in the crowd um and all those people work for wwe in the crowd their uh performance center 
superstars, NXT superstars, whatever you want to call them, employees. And uh, just I just thought it was really, really funny. And then the guy... The guy, I mean, it's just ridiculous. They 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 have their baseball bats and their lead pipes and whatever, and they're just supposed to look like rioters, um, but they just look like they kind of look like the ninjas uh, that have been on Raw. Uh, and I don't I don't know. They're supposed to look like they're scary, but to me, they're not scary. They're funny. And then the the one dude at the end, he had a chainsaw. Where did he get a chainsaw from? <laughs> he didn't walk in with a chainsaw, did he? I did not see him. People were complaining about the camera cuts and all that stuff, and that can be distracting. Um, I didn't really notice it. at the, I was too busy laughing at just the uh, chaotic hilarity of all of it because it was just so, like, just not great. It's not. It was not great, but it was hilarious. And this guy he, with the chainsaw, he cuts the ropes... Yeah, and they're and he's and he's ah, they're all just yelling and screaming like, ugh! I thought it was super funny. What a great way to end the wrestling week. And uh, we got uh, one more thing to talk about here. Uh, in in talking in uh, speaking about ending and ending this segment, uh, we got to end this segment with NXT because I thought NXT was a great show and as i mentioned in the drew count or uh, i really couldn't come up with anything that was really really bad on nxt so uh, I, the stuff that i really really liked on nxt was basically everything um specifically the robert stone brand and rhea ripley's story being told really really well i thought this story was over with but then uh, mercedes martinez attacked rhea ripley and I love it. I love that uh, this story that seemed kind of like a throwaway story is now developing into, okay, it's Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley. It's probably going to happen at TakeOver 30, and I want to see that match. So I'm all for that. Robert Stone brand stuff has been funny with Robert Stone. I don't really care about Aaliyah at all. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know I don't really like Aaliyah. She's kind of this there for me. But Robert Stone... This Mercedes Martinez stuff, really intriguing. And then adding Rhea Ripley as the opponent gives Rhea something to do. I like her new look with the blonde hair. It's a little bit longer as well. Yeah, I want to see Martinez versus Ripley. Um, I'm also enjoying the NXT title developments. Damian Priest won. He was added. I think that's well-deserved. I talked about it last week, saying I think he should be the one that wins because he really needs something more to do, and this NXT title is perfect for him. The Dexter Loomis being injured thing um, was uh, interesting, so they parlayed that into uh, the people who didn't get pinned and lose their triple threat match will now get a second chance, and they will have singles matches to fill the last two spots of the North American title matches so i like this idea good good use good idea if dexter lewis really is injured that stinks for him if he's not injured what the heck is up with that it's a little weird but um yeah uh, uh hopefully we see johnny gargano and finn balor both in this north american title match um 
I would be fine with either one of them winning. I would like to see Finn probably win. I think he could do a lot with the North American title, make it a lot more prestigious, um, and just destroy people, and then finally somebody beats him and they really become a big star. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing somebody like Bronson Reed win the title. Uh, I'd prefer Damian Priest over Bronson Reed at this point, who's in the... Uh, those two are the only ones uh, in the match. Uh, I'd prefer Damian Priest win. Um, but we'll see with um, this week on NXT coming up. Uh, Damian Priest and Bronson Reed seem to have an altercation in the parking lot. It looks like they're probably going to have a match on NXT this week. And whichever way that goes uh, will help me figure out who's probably going to get the spotlight at NXT TakeOver 30. Um, but uh, moving on, talking about somebody else who's got the spotlight, that's Santos Escobar. Uh, he is doing a great job. He's a star, man. He is great on the mic. He makes me interested in the Cruiserweight title, which I've really never been interested in. And uh, I, I really enjoy what the uh, Phantasma faction has been doing. But the thing that I really love the most comes out of NXT, was at the end of NXT, and that is Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. This story has been developing for years at this point with Pat and Adam going back and forth at each other and it being in all good fun and recently Adam Cole was on uh, uh, McAfee's uh, show and they you know lit the fire to start this storyline and uh, it's leading to a match at TakeOver 30 which I was hoping it would that something would happen it is this week uh, on NXT McAfee came down uh, during his honeymoon, which is nice of his wife that he, you know, just got married to uh, the, in the past weekend. Uh, she let him come down to NXT to work out the situation with Adam Cole, but then he got on commentary and was poking fun at Adam Cole's size. This led to Cole confronting McAfee, and uh, Adam threw water uh, on McAfee, and then uh, chaos ensued, and McAfee came out, he uh, uh, came back, insulted Adam Cole, and then uh, Adam Cole went to attack, <laughs> attack Pat McAfee, and uh, they were holding Adam Cole back, and McAfee punted Adam Cole and knocked him out cold. Adam Cole sold it perfectly, just laid out on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the mat, and he wasn't on the mat, it was on the ground, on the floor, and McAfee using the punt, he was a punter, perfect thing to do, really well done storyline between NXT, um, and uh, yeah, Pat's not a wrestler, but Pat is super entertaining, Adam Cole will make this work with him um, for TakeOver 30. It gives Adam Cole something to do after losing the NXT title. Gets him away from the title pitcher. Is a good distraction. And what better way to do it than with this electric factory in Pat McAfee. Um, that's going to do it here for this What Drew Money segment. Let's move on to the Redrew. Where I give my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling. 
If you have been listening to my previous podcasts, you know in this Redrew segment I give my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling, but I do not do it through a grading system or a number system or a star system or a thumbs-up, thumbs-down system. I give my own ratings uh, and uh, uh, have my own spin on things. So we'll start with uh, AEW here. And as you've uh, listened to uh, the whole podcast at this point, you know that uh, really there were only 20 minutes that I liked in AEW Dynamite this past week. I mean, the rest was fine. It wasn't great, though. It wasn't super captivating. It was just there. So I'm giving AEW Dynamite this past week the rating of a hockey period because that's what a hockey period is. It's 20 minutes of really fast-paced, good action, um, and uh, I've been recently getting into hockey more with uh, uh, this uh, quarantine cup or COVID cup or Stanley Cup uh, playoffs and what's been going on, and uh, it's been super exciting. So hockey's been on my mind, and uh, 20 great minutes out of AEW, so it was a great hockey period for uh, Dynamite. As for SmackDown... For me, this was a show that had side effects. And side effects is my rating because part of it worked with the right results and other parts had undesired effects where it was just uh, (laughs) not what uh, I think was the goal um, and uh, wasn't great. But, you know, some of it was was alright. As for Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw was a really different, unique, intriguing show. It was confusing, lots of questions. Uh, I'm very curious about a lot of stuff going on with Raw, but it was captivating. It was really, really captivating. Um, And uh, I'm giving Raw the rating this week of a platypus because that's what a platypus is. It's a very different, unique-looking animal from all the other ones. kind of confusing-looking like it's got a duck bill, but it kind of looks like a seal thing. Um, and it's just like intriguing-looking. Like, where did this thing come from? That's what this Raw was. Where did this Raw come from? Um, this Raw was, uh, really different than the past years of Raw. Um, and Raw recently has been putting on some pretty good shows. I mean, the last couple weeks weren't as good, but then this week, with this show, highly talked about show. Um, I talked a lot about it uh, on this podcast, which shows, you know, it did its job. Um, and it's building to hopefully something even better this week and it's developing new stories with raw underground and retribution and the street profits and selena vega and andrade and uh angel garza and what's going on with them so there's a lot of stuff to look forward to with raw and that's that's good uh that's good storytelling that's good writing and NXT had some really great storytelling and writing and formatting as well. I'm giving NXT the rating of creamy peanut butter. I love creamy peanut butter. Chunky peanut butter is terrible. 
Uh, I don't need uh, the crunch in my peanut butter. I like it smooth and enjoyable and just sweet and good. And that's what this NXT was. It was smooth. It was enjoyable. It was good. Had a really big mainstream presence with Pat McAfee. Um, something that NXT really, really needs to uh, boost their uh, viewers. and uh, Because NXT is uh consistently been probably uh no not probably it's been the best wwe show in the last five years um if you've been watching that long uh so you know nxt has been great hopefully you could get more viewers with this mainstream attention um and a really really good show and i think this podcast was a really really good show too if you would like to reach out to me um, and send me any feedback, send me any ideas, uh, or anything you want me to talk about, uh, just, you know, interact, um, with me, you can do that through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, which is at DWOpod, uh, I'm also on Gmail, so if you're more of an old school type of person, you can send a email to DWOpod at gmail.com. Give the show a like, follow, subscribe to the show, share the show, retweet the show, uh, send a comment, leave a review, uh, send me an email. If you want to further support the podcast, you can do that on SoundCloud or Anchor by just clicking the support link uh, on either one of those pages. Um, uh, I really uh, enjoyed uh, this podcast this week. I hope you did too. If you want to hear anything different, let me know. If you want to just uh, add your comments, send me your ideas, your comments to what I talked about this week. If you agree, you disagree, uh, hey, let's build this community. Let's talk to each other. Let's have some fun watching this wrestling. I've been having some fun doing this podcast. I hope you've been having fun listening to the podcast. And I hope your experience was Drew Sweet. Thank <laughs> you.